This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Maxime, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? We're doing good, man. It's uh, it's five o'clock somewhere, I think, right now, and uh, on the East Coast, at least. And uh, that means it's Scotch o'clock. And uh, <laughs> the podcast it. is going to get a little saucier now. But uh, <laughs> we, we like to start the show off by asking if you could share with us uh, sort of your origin life, you know, growing up, what kind of professionals did you see around you growing up? Was it entrepreneurs, corporate people? Uh, what, what did it look like for you growing up? Well, my story is a bit boring because I started as a just a software developer. Then I had some passion in cybersecurity. I did my first small steps. And then I had a like wow moment, like, oh, people can pay for this. And with the first payment, I was so excited, like, oh, if I could do this every day, what a life I could live. Uh, so I started to do my cybersecurity thing for full time. Now I'm, I quit my job at some point, and now I'm running this uh, agency, this cybersecurity thing. Very weird thing. We're going to touch that later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no worries. And just, just, I just want to clarify my first question because it is good that you share that. I was, I was hoping we could go a little further back to like when you were growing up, were your parents entrepreneurs or your aunts and uncles, something like that, growing up. Oh, I see that that back in time. Okay, I was born in Ukraine, and uh, it was nineties, pretty rough time uh, for the country and. I think one skill I developed through my childhood, and that's inventability. I can always invent something, some tricky way to solve things. And yeah, I always stay inventable. And there is a fairy tale about two mouses. I don't know if that's popular across the world or some the Ukrainian theme. You know that, yeah. Uh, well, I saw it in a movie with Christopher Walken and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I don't know if that's one. So two mouses <laughs> in a bottle of milk. Yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm that, that mouse which really uh, moves mouse to, to do things, to find a solution, to find a way out. Yeah. I mean, uh, that pushed me. That's a, I mean, that's, that's definitely a tough one to grow up in the nineties in the Ukraine. And, you know, where did software development first come for you? Was it sort of, you went to school or you said, I need to find this opportunity? Yeah, there was a computer class in a school again in nineties. It was pretty advanced scene. It's such a magical thing. And then as any kid, I loved video games and I got my first PC and 
it was pure magic. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Even, even as I studied Ukrainian literature in a university, I've been that computer guy in our dormitory. So whoever has a problem with a laptop, oh, it's that guy. Okay. <laughs> and I actually started my first business there. Uh, it was the, <laughs> the rise of social networks and the rise of laptops market. So every student started to get their first laptop. And of course, they needed internet connection. So I set up several Wi-Fi routers in the dormitory. And I've been charging them a fee yeah, for their Wi-Fi password. <laughs> and at that point, at certain point, I, I was making more money from this than my parents together. Yes. So that's capitalism right there, man. <laughs> I can give you internet access for a small fee. Uh, that's the spirit, man. I've learned that, you know, that doesn't come naturally to me. Right. But, uh, but, but it's something that I work towards every day, but I've learned that the people who have done that, it's like the kid with the lemonade stand or whatever they were doing as a kid, you know, mowing the lawn. It's the same thing. It's just like you said, inventability, right? Can I invent a solution for the circumstances I'm living in? That is the true entrepreneur spirit. You, you just can't keep a person like that down because they're going to find a way to get around it. Right. Uh, so before we go any further, because you did share with us prior something I was going to ask anyways, is where you are now and what you're doing. Before we go any further on that, I want to just check in with Jason on some of his thoughts of your story so far. Yeah. You know, I say this a lot and it's most of the time, like entrepreneurship and things, they're born out of necessity. Right. So it's because there was a time in our life at some point where it was like, hmm. So I can keep going down that route. That looks really nasty to go that way. Or I can do this thing. And then the next step is, okay, what's that thing, right? <laughs> what is that other thing that you're going to do? And it's really what, it's what separates true entrepreneurs from, I, it's three categories. You have true entrepreneurs and business owners. Then you have, you know, hobbyists, right? <laughs> That's another one. And then you have employees, right? So you got, well, there's actually entrepreneurs in there too, probably somewhere. <laughs> but, 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 but those are the categories that, those are the kind of the choices we have in life, right? And it's a very thin slice of people that are actually, it, it's not even about the success. It's about the people that have the strength, the energy, the drive, um, and just the, the, the sheer, you know, blunt force trauma sometimes to get there. Cause if you ain't got that, those few things right there, you know, you're going to end up in one of the other categories probably. <laughs> so, so, yeah. and, and it's great to see that, you know, the background you came from, because I've traveled all over the world. I was in the military, all those things. So, you know, I know that life because I've seen it. I've not necessarily lived it, but I've seen it, how it is in other countries. And for you to bring yourself to this point, it's, it's actually pretty amazing. Right on, man. 
So, so Maxime, so we learned a little bit of your origins. We started seeing the budding entrepreneur in you in university with the Wi-Fi <laughs> fiasco. Then we learned that you went from like software development and continued further and actually started stepping into the cybersecurity world. So now why don't you tell us like, what is that looking like today? And, and, and why did you choose that specifically? Is it the opportunity? Is it how needed it is? Is it a little bit of both? Well, just a small remark that Wi-Fi story isn't fiasco. It was a success. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, this is true. Yeah, Jason mentioned this drive and this energy, uh, but I believe there is also one thing, and it's also applicable for the human development, for the evolution, uh, not only for entrepreneurs, and that's frustration. Sometimes you just frustrated about things that you start doing something about themselves about about the uh, about those things and how they're connected to you so uh cybersecurity was there uh, i was just a software developer like not really hacker not really cybersecurity guy and i find out i could automate some things just like out of curiosity hey let's check how many websites has that thing and I checked like thousands of websites. Like, oh, well, that's that that's too much. Too many websites are vulnerable, and this thing is just there. It's a vulnerability. It has to be fixed. They could be hacked any day, any minute. This is not right. And knowing that it was like frustrating. I started. I stepped forward, and I. I started to do something about it. Yeah. Just like you knew a lot of students needed to be connected to the internet back then, because that was a, that was a, the next step in evolution for social society. Right. So then you see where things are now and you see that in order for the internet itself to scale at the rate that it's scaling at and not crumble and not get destroyed, it's going to need solid security. So you made a, you made a check to see what it currently looked like only to find that it's scarier than most people want to admit in terms of how easy it would be to, to just destroy things, leak information, you name it. And, you know, our own news lets us know to some degree how many leaks have been out and all kinds of information. So it's it's not lost on people that uh, it's needed. We just tend to, especially in America, we tend to rely on, I don't know, uh, Apple's taking care of me, right? Uh, I don't know, Google's taking care of me, right? Well, uh, that's why I chose WordPress or Squarespace or you name it, right? We literally leave it up to mm -hmm. chance. I think it's in the agreement. Wouldn't Isn't that what they're supposed to do? So is this sort of what you're talking about? No, I think not really. Well, yeah, we rely on those vendors like Google and, uh, and the Apple, but you run the website and you're responsible for that website. And the way I frustrated about cybersecurity is not that people make mistakes. Well, people are people. They're going to do mistakes. They're going to forget things. They're going to have those leaks. But how people treat those mistakes? In the automotive industry, we have seat belts. And we don't argue that much. Like, yeah, this is safety. Safety first. 
we obey all the things we have to do. We turn uh, on turning lights and, uh, and we obey traffic lights. It's security. It goes first. But when you go on the internet, wow. Yeah, I have a website, <laughs> but I don't care. Seatbelt? No, thank you. No. <laughs> so true, actually. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of a good comparison, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have doors on my car when I'm on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. but that's okay, because you you shouldn't you shouldn't be cybersecurity expert. You maybe don't know that that seatbelt is needed. You don't know it exists. Maybe it just was invented yesterday. Just another thing you have to think about. But what really frustrates me uh, is that there are a lot of companies, cybersecurity companies, big names. They solve problems in a way like if you just put bag of money on a problem, you're done. You're good. This firewall gonna protect you from all the bad things, and you'll you'll be safe and happy ever after. Oh no, that doesn't work that way. And on my website, I have several huge logos of huge companies, and I have many, many, many more. I cannot disclose because I signed an agreement. But believe me, huge companies, well-known companies, enterprise companies. They also have people working there, people making mistakes. This is fine, but it matters how they treat those mistakes. If they fix it, if they are open to know about problems. And now we come in towards my story where I started to let people know. Just literally, knock, knock, you got a problem. Can I send you the report? That's what Web Safety Ninja is doing. And that uh, is called gray hat hacking. And the gray, not white, because no one asked me to do that. And it's like the thin line on the being legal, but I'm making no harm. I'm here to fix things. So it's called ethical hacking. So not all hackers are bad. There are good ones. And... Uh, the disappointing and frustrating fact is that I've been doing this for four years, but our reply rate in my team is like 5%. 5% of the companies, they receive report. And they're like, okay, thank you so much. Or, okay, we'd like to pay you the reward. We never name their price. Never. There is no such thing. If the company decides they want to reward us, yeah, sure, much appreciated. But the company has to decide how much. And we've been issuing invoices from 10 euros to thousands. So it's always up to the client. I, I just never cross that ethical boundary. And this is, it makes really tricky business. Client names the price. What? Is that even a business? But that's how we fix things. This is how we make our living. This is how we run our business. And yeah, this is how we make world a bit safer place. It's it, let, let, let me let me say this thing. You know what's really interesting about the whole cybersecurity conversation 
is it's not just about websites and the internet and all those things. It's about people, right? It's about training your staff correctly. uh, So they're aware of password protection. Just, this is just really simple stuff, but password protection, you know, all these things you look at boards of directors, most boards of directors aren't even using company, company emails. They're using personal emails, sending stuff back and forth, right? Doing all this stuff. I mean, it's just a breach waiting to happen, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I understand some of your frustration because I've been through it <laughs> too. <laughs> so with the uh, other board members and so on and so forth. So, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, man. No, there's, there's really... I think the closest correlation I can think of for, for, for anyone who still doesn't understand, and I could be wrong here. So correct me, Maxime, because you are the expert in this field. Uh, I had a buddy in New York when I was living out there who would be hired. So it's, it's slightly different in that way where he was first hired to go to a major enterprises uh, building and he would look for ways to actually break into the building, whether it was dropping certain names or what have you, just finding ways to get in to pinpoint where the holes in the security. So it was a private investigations firm, but it's it's mm-hmm. very similar in that way where you'd be surprised how easy it might be to gain access to some things, right? And you and you just never know when you think it's, you're a big company and you paid a big salary to somewhere, someone that it's supposed to be taken care of. And then you find out it's not. And usually when you find out, it's not a good time to find out either. And so I think it's a conversation, it's a, it's a conversation that a lot of people never want to have for whatever reason, because it would mean potentially uprooting a lot of things or admitting their own incompetence. And that's probably one of the most fascinating features of humanity that I've come across as an, like in the adult world is anytime like you need to rescope something or, or, you know, people never want to go back to wherever they got the money from because, well, then they're going to think I'm incompetent. I mean, (laughs) yeah, but you'd be even more incompetent to not do something about what you know needs to be done. It's it's just fascinating to me. So I really love that you're bringing those things up now for the interest of time, because we don't have a lot of time. uh, I want to do a few things, right? There's only three things left to do. Uh, Number one, I want to give a shout out to one of our supporters. Then I want to give you an opportunity to tell people how to connect with you and uh, get some of that magic. That's internet magic that you do, man. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll close it out with the, with this big finale question that we had talked about earlier. So first uh, we have rogue publishing partners is a supporter of this episode and made this episode possible. And what they do is whether you're an executive or any, any kind of professional, professional entrepreneur in any capacity, and you're looking to establish yourself and start to write content and things of that nature and build that authority and thought leadership, you can try to figure it out on your own, piece a couple of things together with internet services and maybe get a result. Or you can go with a company that has already done it time and time and time again. They call that a turnkey solution. And you can go ahead and reach out to them at roguepublishingpartners.com and they'll make sure that you get your book and every other thing you want to get out there, including courses. And I can only imagine what else out there for you. That's a partner you can trust. They've done it a million times. And that's why we allow them to support this show and we stand behind them and endorse them. So with that said, 
Now for you, Maxine, where can people get in touch with you? Preferably like what website or social link or what have you, do you want them to get in touch with you with? The thing I'm running is called Web Safety Ninja. We have a website, websafety.ninja. We do services, not just knock, knock, you got a problem. We do penetration testing services, security audit services for the great price with the experienced hackers on your side. So yeah, just go check there, book a meeting, ask me a question. I would be happy to be on your side. I already there, maybe you don't even know that I'm already there on your side. <laughs> so let me be there for you as a service. Right on, right on. Okay. And uh, the big question that we always love asking, uh, just because it shows how human we all are and how different we all are and yet how the same we all are. It's a really peculiar question. If you could have invited anyone to this conversation today in this room, Maxime, to join us, whether just to listen or even contribute, who would you have loved to have had here and why? Should be one name, isn't it? It could be more if you name. want. It could be more if you want, but it, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then it's uh, pretty easy. Uh, just the ordered list. Uh, first, Mark Manson. I'm really inspired by his books, by his way to tell people how. You can use the F word. <laughs> <laughs> how screwed they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, huge fan. I hope to get. Sign a book one day yeah, I love by Mark stuff. Manson. That's yeah. going to be a huge honor. The second, Stephen King. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I love stories, and he's a king of stories. <laughs> yeah. And the third one, Chris was. The, Christopher Waltz? Christoph Waltz? Chris was the art of negotiation guy oh yeah and the last uh but it's uh, his uh friend and uh josh brown it's a sales guy he's kind of huge admirer of chris was and uh he's just apply all those negotiation techniques in sales and i'm using it just by reading his newsletter and I use it in my work. It's amazing. People should be more empathic in sales and not just warm with value proposition on the client. <laughs> I love what they are doing. You know, so if there's one thing I've learned people. is I love how well-read you are. Um, you know, it, it could be videos, it could be audiobooks, it could be taking time to reflect on what happened in your business and trying to become wiser from it, whichever capacity. But I feel like reading is just another form of reflection, right? Just with someone else's thoughts along with yours. And, and, and I find that whether you're the person or the individual that is reflecting on your life and all the things that happened in a world where no one is ever bored anymore, someone who takes the time to reflect, whether it's a scotch and a cigar and just quiet for a second, you know, uh, pop and open a book, and whatever other flavor you need to add to get you in the zone, whether it's music or some kind of hot beverage, whatever it is. But those who take the time to reflect and pause in a world that never stops moving, we become the pillars in our environment. 
in one capacity or another. And that's what I love about what you're doing. And you just so also happen to help people in the cybersecurity world. So I, I thought this was a really well-rounded conversation. What a great way to end it and 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 really bring a lot of humanity to, to a conversation that's rather difficult for many business owners to hear because the minute we start talking about cybersecurity, they're like, uh, I think I got that under control. <laughs> so uh, it means a lot, man. And uh, it is tradition around here for Jason to close this out. So I'll let him do that. But I'm glad we had a chance to chat. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, man. It was great to have you on the show. I, you know, we very seldom get to have people in your field on, on the show. Um, and I think that's because a lot of people in cybersecurity are very like introverted (laughs) and, uh, it's difficult for them. Um, so it was great to have you on the show. You're, you was a great guest to have on the show. And, uh, you know, we all have the same 168 hours in a week. Thanks for taking 27 and coming here and visiting with us today. And, uh, you know, I always kind of secretly wanted to be a hacker. <laughs> never, ne- never got there. But anyway, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Yeah, Thank man. you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.